0: Welcome back to Mysteries and Mimosas. My name is Max Sterling, and I am here with your co-host, Arya Sterling. Hi, everyone. Hi, Arya. I am excited to be back after a very stressful week. How about you?
1: Yes. You had a stressful week?
0: I, did. I always have a stressful week.
1: <laughs> you always have a stressful week?
0: Yeah, I have to deal with you. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You are the least of my stressful worries. My stressful woes.
1: Right? I'm the one that I'm I'm like your stress decreaser, right? As soon as you walk in the door and you see me, your stress is gone.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> more or less, but sometimes it increases because I know there's probably something going on that I didn't do. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to something you said. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there's a little bit of stress there. It's self-induced. I was
1: going to say, that's your own issue though, right? It is.
0: <laughs> All right, so... I don't want to waste any time. This case is very intriguing and it takes place the year 2008, which was one of the recommendations from a listener by the name of Brian. Yes. Remember Brian?
1: I do. I have been interested in this case since it happened. It's just very mysterious.
0: Very mysterious That's all I'll say. Yes. Before we get started, I want to bring you back, bring our listeners back to the year of 2008. I'm going to start this off by asking, uh, let's see, i got four trivia questions for you. You ready for four trivia questions? I'm going to award you points this time, and I'm going to keep track of the points, though.
1: But for what? They don't mean anything.
0: Yeah, they don't mean anything yet, but maybe one day they will. Maybe (laughs) one day I'll be rich and be able to give you like 20 bucks.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait.
0: Right? All right. Question number one. You ready? I'm ready. According to the American Kennel Club, the most popular dog breed in 2008 was the Labrador Retriever, followed by what breed at number two?
1: Oh, man. I thought you were going to ask me the number one, and I would have known that. Um, A Golden Retriever?
0: That would have been too easy. What'd you say?
1: A Golden Retriever?
0: Let's find out. At number 10 in 2008, the Shih Tzu was Hmm. number 10. Number nine was the Poodle. Number eight and one of my favorites, the bulldog.
1: Oh, like the it doesn't,
0: it doesn't say. Oh, yeah. I know, doesn't say. I'm guessing probably the French bulldog.
1: I doubt it. It it would bulldog. Have, it, then it's. I think it's the English. That's my favorite.
0: Number seven is a dachshund. Number six is the cute little boxers. At number five, we have the beagle. And so number four, golden retriever.
1: Oh. So I was oh, wrong. You're so but wrong. I was close. Yeah.
0: So that's zero points for you, by the mm-hmm. way. I'm not going to give you any pity points. Dang. Number three, German Shepherd. Number two, Yorkshire Terrier.
1: Really? I w- yeah, I would have never guessed that.
0: Question number two What was the most popular baby boy and baby girl name in 2008?
1: Let's see. For a boy, James. Okay. And a girl in 2008. Mia?
0: No, Mm -hmm. sorry. That's zero points for you. According to babycenter.com, the top baby girl name was Emma, and the top baby boy name was Aiden.
1: I think the last time we did that trivia, I guessed Emma for the girl then, too. I think you did. I almost did it again, but I was like, okay, I can't keep saying the same name.
0: (laughs) Well, you can. Maybe (laughs) one day you'll get it right. Well,
1: I would have today. I should have just said it.
0: Follow your gut. That's a good intuition advice right or good advice
1: just good advice i don't know what a, intuition a, advice is it's a
0: good piece of advice follow your intuition
1: there you go yeah go with something's your gut. something's amiss don't second guess yourself right whatever yeah. you think is the right answer the first time just stick with that don't yeah. go back and change it
0: right just like i'm sure you were like oh it's probably the yorkshire terrier
1: okay no i never thought I, that i not think so <laughs>
0: <laughs> this famous movie was released on may 2nd 2008 Starting the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iron Man? Wow. Yeah. Was it? Good for oh. you. Proud of you. What is it? Iron Man. Iron Man, yes. Starring. No, it's not a bonus point, so don't ask. You got one so far.
1: Okay. It's um Oh my god. Shuba Getting Jr. No.
0: <laughs> Tom Hanks.
1: No, it's um Arnold Schwarzenegger. I <laughs> can't picture him. Why can't I think of his uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs>
0: Okay, 1 out of 3. That's not bad. No. Yeah, so far.
1: I think I think one of these times I should do the trivia cuz you kind of sit over there you're a little bit arrogant about it like you would do better and I just don't know if I you would, would
0: answer these questions better.
1: Well, because you know the answers. You looked them up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. <true. laughs> All right. Question number 4. You know that it's coming. It's my favorite because we both share a love for music. Name the top song from the 2008 Billboard Top 100. Of course, this is the year end song, not this week in 2008.
1: Right. Um, Getting Low. What? Getting Low.
0: Getting Low? <laughs> yeah. Who sings Getting Low?
1: Isn't it by like Chingy or no? I don't know.
0: <laughs> what is that song? Why are you, go back to your mic. <laughs> what are you doing? I
1: have an
0: itch. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> Let's restart it.
0: Somebody needs to help me. What was it?
1: I'm not saying it again because you made fun of me. So no, just, I'm not. I
0: just I didn't I didn't hear you because you weren't in your mic. So I what, guess you did get in get low, in low. <laughs> by <a> Chang Changi.
1: <laughs> no, stop. Redo it.
0: I'm not redoing it. We're keeping it. Oh, you're gonna pout. <laughs> God. I'm not redoing it.
1: Well, I feel like I've already guessed this one in the past. It's is it umbrella?
0: It's not umbrella, okay. but you were close.
1: This is the song I was thinking of getting low. It's not Gettin' low,
0: it's not getting low, it's get low. And it so happens okay. to be Lil John and the East Side Boys.
1: Obviously, I didn't have the artist right, but I think I was more than close on the song. I, I would count that as getting it right. I said getting low, and it's get low. That's you Let acted. Me, hold on, no, no, no. You Let me acted? check with the judges. You're the, yeah, no, you're the only judge.
0: Right. And the judges say, no, you don't get the point. You know what? I want to appeal this. One out of four, 25%. No,
1: I want to appeal this because literally you acted like I was way off, like, uh, way off. And I wasn't. It was like a syllable, get in, the in part is the, I mean, come on. You are harsh.
0: Yeah. I mean, I take trivia seriously. I take it seriously. I'm sorry, I can't, I wish I could, I really do. I wish I could say, man, you did good today, you were 50%, but
1: let's face it. Oh, the rules say you can't? You
0: are a 25% kind of trivia guesser today. The
1: the rules written by Max say that you can't.
0: Today. Change it. Yeah. Mm. All right, now I think it's time to get serious. Let's get serious. So, our mimosa recipe, Mm -hmm. do you know what it is?
1: Oh, yeah, it's Grinch mimosas, and um, I'll let you give the recipe.
0: And the Grinch mimosas are awesome. This is the actually my favorite recipe that we've done in quite some time. How do you say it, the blue stuff?
1: Uh, blue curacao.
0: Curacao, yeah. Mm. So blue curacao, I'm not going to tell you how much. I wing it. I literally just am <laughs> like, man, that looks good. Blue curacao, orange juice. The orange juice turns it green. Add champagne. I might, may or may not have added vodka to yours. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> no. Blue carousel, orange juice, champagne. And? And what?
1: Edible glitter.
0: Oh, yeah, the green edible glitter. That yeah. stuff is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Check it out on our Instagram page, at Mysteries and Mimosas Podcast. There you'll see a picture of it. We actually uh, br- rimmed the uh, glass with green candy canes. Yes. And just Gosh a tip job. out there, we did the... Um, those soft candy like candy cane balls. <laughs>
1: candy <laughs> cane balls. What are they? I I mean they're peppermints. But yeah, they're well like, spearmint though, because they're green, but they're like the chalky ones instead yeah. of like the candy cane texture because we couldn't find regular candy canes, so
0: yeah, candy cane balls.
1: Oh uh, sure. Okay.
0: Well you're, you're so immature. <laughs> oh Don't I take this am? serious, please.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: No, <laughs> Okay, so anyway, but yeah, lesson learned. The chalky candy cane balls or spearmint mints, whatever you call them. What did you call them?
1: Spearmints. They're that's what it is. Spear, instead of peppermints, they're spearmint. Okay, right? yeah. So yeah.
0: the chalky peppermints they don't stick to the glass as well as uh, the actual candy canes yeah. from our other Christmas, Christmas mimosas, but um, still good nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it's just because they're not as sticky as a regular candy cane, but they work. They, yeah. they still look pretty. Yes, they do. Just like you. Aw, that's nice. So today we're going to be discussing the case of Brandon Victor Swanson. Brandon was born on January 30th, 1989, in Marshall, Minnesota. At the time of his disappearance, Brandon was a 19-year-old student at Minnesota West Community and Technical College in Canby, Minnesota, Brandon was taking classes in a wind turbine program that was offered at the college. On May 13, 2008, Brandon was celebrating the completion of his second semester in college. He started his celebration at a friend's home in Lind, which is approximately seven miles southwest of Brandon's home in Marshall. From there, Brandon drove to another friend's home in Canby, which is approximately 35 miles northwest of his home in Marshall. Friends reported to police that Brandon was consuming alcohol at both parties, but that he did not appear to be intoxicated when he left. The drive from Canby to Marshall was a straight shot southeast along Minnesota Highway 68. Brandon was very familiar with this route because he traveled it almost daily to go to his college campus.
0: Do you know how far it is from college campus to home? Or like like not how far, but the time it takes?
1: I would say it's it's about 35 miles. So maybe It's so not that long. Like a half an hour. Okay. 35 minutes or so. So um,
0: definitely an area he's obviously familiar with.
1: Yeah, cuz the col- the college campus is in Canby, which is where he was at that second party at his friend's house in the same place in Canby. So Brandon, like I said, he was very familiar with this route um because he traveled it almost every day to go to his college campus. However, when Brandon left his friend's home in Canby, just after midnight on May 14th, he chose to take the back roads instead of the highway.
0: Okay. I mean, he's probably taking the back roads because he's afraid of getting caught from drinking and driving.
1: I mean, that would be my speculation. Um, I mean, his friend said that he had been drinking, but he didn't appear intoxicated. But even so, maybe he was just worried, you know, even if he wasn't intoxicated, he didn't want to... Get in trouble for because he's 19. Right. He's going to get in trouble for drinking alcohol. Oh, yeah. No, under I think
0: age. I think a lot of people can relate to, you know, having a drink, even if it's like with dinner and you're not intoxicated, but you still have that alcohol in your system and driving and not wanting to get caught, obviously, for obvious reasons. So, yeah, I guess it, it would. It would make sense that you would want to take a back road if you're leaving a couple parties. Who knows how much he had to drink? Does it Does it say? Did anybody say?
1: No, I, I couldn't find anything where it said exactly how much he had drank, just that he was drinking at both places. Um, but yeah, I think that makes sense. That's probably why he did that instead of just taking that straight shot that he's very familiar with. Um, I mean, it was a main highway, so he's going to stick to the back roads instead. At approximately 1.54 a.m., Brandon's parents, Brian and Annette Swanson, received a phone call from their son. Brandon explained that his car was high-centered in a ditch on the side of the road. He assured them that he and the vehicle were both okay. It was just high-centered, it was stuck, he couldn't get it out, and he needed a ride home. Brandon had allegedly attempted to call his friends for help first, but couldn't get a hold of anyone, so that's when he called his parents for a ride instead.
0: Do you know how many friends he tried to call?
1: I don't. I I didn't get specifics on that. Um, okay. Brandon explained to his parents that he was near the town of Lind, um, and that he could see lights from the town in the distance. Brian and Annette headed from their home in the direction of Lind. Um, Brandon and his parents had come to an agreement that they would flash. Their, his parents would flash their headlights when they saw him, and he would flash his headlights back so that they could signal each other, to each other. Um, that they had found one another. Okay. But when Brian and Annette got to the place that Brandon had described, they were unable to locate him. So eventually, Brandon told them he would just begin walking across a field toward the lights that he saw from the town. They agreed to meet in a nightclub parking lot in Lind. Um, and, and according to his parents, they didn't think Brandon sound intox- sounded intoxicated or anything on the phone. They, they said it, he seemed normal.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder how much you know he's used to drinking, because I, when when we you know when somebody has an alcohol problem, I'm not saying that Brandon has an alcohol or had an alcohol problem, but sometimes when people drink a lot, they can they can what they can be called what you call a functioning alcoholic, where only the people closest to them really understand and really know that they've been drinking or that they have that problem. They can fool you know, most anybody else just because they can function at that level. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's the case here, but if he was, you know, a regular drinker, maybe
1: that doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, maybe he had a tolerance. Yeah, it could be. I, I don't know, you know, how often he drank alcohol. But Brandon remained on the phone with his parents as he walked through the field. They had been on the phone for approximately 47 minutes when Brandon exclaimed, Oh, shit. I've also read in my research that Brandon said something to the effect of, oh, not another fence, and then, oh, shit. Silence followed. The call was still connected, but there was no sound coming from Brandon's end. His parents waited for a response, and after not getting one, uh, Brian and Annette ended the call and then attempted multiple times to call Brandon's cell phone back. The phone would ring and then eventually go to voicemail.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. So the so the 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 call stayed connected. It wasn't until the parents hung up that you know they were disconnected from the call, and then they called back and it would ring before going to voicemail. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like the phone was off or even damaged or anything where it would go directly to voicemail. It rang before going to voicemail, meaning it was still on.
1: Yeah, it seems like he had dropped it. Potentially, because although they couldn't hear anything on his end, it didn't, the call wasn't ended. It was just like the phone had fallen down and there was nobody on the other end.
0: And silence.
1: Yeah. So Brian and Annette reported Brandon missing to the police that morning at approximately 6.30 after trying unsuccessfully, you know, for a few hours to locate him. The police, unfortunately, told Brian and Annette that Brandon was an adult and was allowed to go missing if he wanted, and that it wasn't uncommon for young men his age to stay out all night. They told the worried parents to wait for Brandon to show up at home.
0: Which sometimes is a very common thing among law enforcement. I know that there's laws that have been passed that, you know, kind of guide law enforcement officers into making immediate reports, you know, putting out BOLOs. Uh, It stands for Be on the Lookout. Um and different different measures in order to find people but really what it boils down to is when you have a loved one go missing uh, you know we want to hope that the law enforcement officers that respond are going to take it serious because we know whether or not that person is legitimately missing because we know their behaviors and their patterns right
1: and it's not like brandon just was out at a party and then didn't come home at a specific time he called his parents and said, hey, can you please come help me? Can you please come give me a ride? My car is high-centered. I can't get it out of this ditch. And then he says the words, oh, shit, and then his phone goes silent. I mean, to me, that's an emergency situation. Somebody is hurt or needs help. So I don't know why the police didn't take it seriously at first. I I couldn't tell you, but it is very frustrating, and I'm sure— I'm sure Brandon's parents were very frustrated at the time.
0: Oh, 100% without a doubt.
1: Yeah. So after Brandon failed to return home, the sheriff's office started investigating his disappearance later that afternoon. And as part of their investigation, police obtained Brandon's cell phone records, and they discovered that Brandon had actually been near the town of Porter, not Lynde, as Brandon had thought. Porter is approximately twenty-five miles away from where Brandon told his parents to pick him up. So huge discrepancy. His parents went to Lind, thinking that's where he was because that's where Brandon thought he was. Turns out, his cell phone records showed that he was twenty-five miles away from there. So that's why they never were able to connect. obviously. So
0: I think this, you know, all of this stuff that adds up, it it is a testament to how intoxicated he might have been. Maybe he was a little more you know, drunk than he thought
1: It could be, or he took those back roads, which he didn't normally take and he got lost and he, he thought he was way further away from Porter than he actually was. I yeah. I
0: don't know. Got, got turned around. Yeah. You know, he's, he's unaware of his surroundings. He's taking the back roads. I mean, we can assume to avoid the main roads. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Um, But yeah, he was definitely confused as to where he was when he called his parents. So once police figured out where Brandon had been calling from that morning, they discovered his car off the road in a ditch in the 3900 block of Lyon-Lincoln Road. Police reported that Brandon's cell phone was on and working well into that next day. They suspected this was the case because they called it numerous times, and it would ring and then eventually go to Brandon's voicemail.
0: Okay, so I, I know that... I was looking at the map because I wanted to know, is this a wooded area? You know, is this somewhere where, you know, sometimes in, I mean, in the Rocky Mountains, for example, you can have somebody, or, or, you know, take example, the um, Grand Canyon or, you know, Utah. They have all this open space with cliffs and crevices. It's easy to, to miss somebody who goes missing in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. This area looks like, I mean, according to the map today to uh you know Google Earth. It's pretty much farmland, flatland. There's a river that runs through there, but it has a lot of trees. I mean, I just I I find it you know hard to believe that law enforcement would miss a body doing a search.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's really an interesting case. So, a quote from Lyon County Sheriff Eric Wallen um says the vehicle simply looked like it was stuck in the ditch or partially in the ditch. There was nothing odd about it. If a person passed by, they would think it was just parked there or broken down and stuck. Police conducted an extensive search of the area on foot as well as by air. And I've read that it was like a 140 square mile area that they had searched. Um, That's hun- huge. It's huge. It was a big area they searched. Hundreds of volunteers helped search the area to include the nearby Yellow Medicine River, which is probably the river you were seeing on when you looked on that map. A canine led police to the river, which was approximately three miles from where Brandon's vehicle was located. I have read conflicting information where one source says the dogs lost his scent at the river, and another source says the dogs followed the scent across the river and then north toward the Yellow Medicine County line. The Yellow Medicine River is reported to be about 15 feet deep at its deepest point. Um, This area was searched extensively to include being excavated as recently as 2021 when the river dried up due to a drought. Nothing related to Brandon's disappearance was found. Um, No clothes. Nothing. No cell phone. Nothing. Um, Search dogs have also picked up the scent of human remains near Mud Creek, which is just north of Porter, but nothing pertaining to Brandon has ever been located there,
0: okay, so a couple different things i I don't know a lot about scent dogs, tracking dogs. I know those you know from the the people I talk to who work canines in the field, everybody that I've ever talked to that has anything to do with canines say that the tracking dogs are the harder working dogs versus like a drug dog because it's apparently more and I'm just relaying what i've heard i don't I don't know this. But apparently it's more difficult to give a dog a scent and have them follow that scent and track that scent down. So if either of those scenarios I want to say could be right, whether or not it stopped at the river or continued past it. Mm -hmm. Let's just say for a minute that Brandon, you know, when he says, oh, shit, he falls into the river. Yeah. I think it would totally make sense that the dog's scent would stop there especially if he was washed down the river. Right. It would also make sense though conversely that they would continue past it because what happens if he falls in and swims to the other side? Right. They might pick up that scent. Um the other thing that I was kind of curious about because I don't like I said I don't know a lot about dogs. I was curious whether or not cadaver dogs can tell the difference between human remains and animal remains. And what I found um on the internet says that cadaver dogs are trained to differentiate the types of decomposing human remains. They're also able to kind of tell the difference between a, you know, subject that's drowned and various types of decomposition. Wow. Yeah. I was actually blown away when I was reading about this. In fact, they were able to accurately find remains up to 15 feet down in, into the earth. In addition to those reasons that you gave on why people may not want, you know, police on their land. And I'm not saying this is the reason, but it could be a reason for a lot of people. Sometimes people just don't want to cooperate with police.
1: That's true. Yeah, there's people that just don't have a good relationship with law enforcement and don't want to have anything to do with them being on their property. It's unfortunate. I really would love, and I'm sure Brandon's parents would love to be able to have that property searched. Who knows, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure over the years, the, the landowners themselves have searched their own properties and haven't found anything, but you never know. So as time goes on, those scents become more aged and require different canines with specific skill sets to track those aged scents. This makes it difficult. It's been reported that no more than three dogs are available at any given time throughout the entire state of Minnesota with the skills to conduct these specific searches. Another interesting fact in this case is that due to a childhood injury, Brandon was legally blind in his left eye and required eyeglasses. However, that morning, Brandon had left his glasses in his car. So I guess they found his glasses in his car. He didn't have them with him, even though... Like I said, he was legally blind blind in his left eye. It's dark out, he's in an unfamiliar place walking across a field. I don't know why he didn't grab his glasses. I mean that could have contributed to why he may have oh, fallen somewhere or even something happened. He couldn't see.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's such a big mystery. Why okay. he didn't grab his glasses. I was in a head on collision and um you know, it's it's obviously not the same thing as um, you know getting stuck or, you know, veering off the road, you know, hitting a ditch or something. But in that head-on collision, I lost everything. I didn't know where anything was. My phone was gone. You know, my – everything. Everything was just bounced around the car. So even a small little impact in a vehicle, mm-hmm. such as hitting a, a you know, a uh, a ditch like this, you know, you it's easy to lose your glasses, whether the, whether you were wearing them or they were just – you know, on the dash or, you know, on the passenger seat or whatever.
1: Could be. That's a good point. So tips are still received to this day, and the sheriff's office reports they are all followed up on. At one time, there was third-party information received that Brandon was in some kind of an altercation with someone at the party before he disappeared. However, law enforcement has never been able to substantiate this claim and to this day no physical evidence has ever been found. Brandon's cell phone, car keys, and clothes have never been recovered, which is just crazy to me. You would think at least a piece of clothing, something.
0: Right. You know, I'm going to I'm just going to it just reminds me of the, of a case that I helped with. I didn't, I wasn't the lead detective or anything on this, but I remember um, I worked in a rural area where a farmer found a body in an irrigation ditch and he called in and reported it and uh when we went out there yeah it was it was a body it was a, it was you know he was deceased and freshly deceased within the last you know 24 hours or so 12 actually i think is what it was but we were able to tr- backtrack along that canal to find the place in which he fell in and we determined that he was drunk we were a- able to see in um in dirt markings and stuff, based on where he lived, he lived right by this same canal he fell into the into the into the irrigation ditch or irrigation canal and he floated for miles miles and miles in a slow moving canal in a matter of i wanna say it was probably less than eight hours
1: wow, and that's slow moving no right no real current, i mean a little bit of a current obviously, but nothing. Nothing like a fast-moving river or anything.
0: No, and law enforcement can even use, um, you know, specifically like Division of Wildlife, Parks and Services. They, When they look for or even search and rescue, they're able to put a die into the water to see how long it takes that die to go from point A to point B to see how fast that current actually is. Oh, wow. I think it would be completely reasonable if Brandon fell into that river for him to be carried miles and miles away without anybody knowing and get trapped. It's easy to get trapped underneath, underneath uh, you know, fast rushing water, whether you're in the rocks or under a log. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that can trap you underwater.
1: That's true. It, yeah. Good points.
0: In fact, this is not my story, but I remember talking, I don't remember if it was a news article or if it was, uh, you know, somebody I worked with. I, I really can't remember the details, but it was like... I want to say 20 or 30 years after a car was missing, that the the water in a river started drying up and they found a car 20 to 30 years later.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a news article, I think. I remember hearing that too.
0: Yeah, so... It had so, been
1: missing for years, decades even. Yep, and one day the water just finally receded enough that somebody saw it.
0: And it wasn't far from where they were searching.
1: No. No, they had searched the area. Yeah. Yeah,
0: So, so... I mean, this is a pretty easy explanation. I'm not saying this is the reason or this is the answer, but it does make sense. And it does add up.
1: Yeah, for sure. There, there are many theories floating around out there about what may have happened to Brandon. And the most common theory is that Brandon did fall into that river and he either drowned or succumbed to exposure and hypothermia because the temperatures did dip just below 40 degrees that night and into the early morning. Another prominent theory is that Brandon fell into some sort of a well or a cistern while walking across that field. Um, It is reported that there are many wells or cisterns in the rural farmland in that area, and one may have been uncovered at that time, and he could have, like I said, it was dark out. He's in an unfamiliar place. He didn't have his glasses on. He could have tripped and fallen. And, you know, he did say, oh, shit. So something happened, whether it was he lost his footing on that riverbank and fell in, or lost his footing, you know, above a well or something.
0: I like that theory, but when we look at the information available to us, the dogs didn't track Brandon's scent to a cistern.
1: You're right, yeah. They you're tracked
0: right. him to a river, to the river. or beyond mm-hmm. a river. Yep,
1: that's true. You're you're right. So, of course, Brian and Annette feel they they may have been able to find Brandon or at least more evidence if police would have taken their missing persons report seriously from the beginning. Um, and you know, they did, they had to wait several hours. And like you said, if he did fall in that river in those several hours, if that current was moving fast enough, I mean, he could be so far away by the time they finally started searching for him. So I mean, yeah,
0: you know, and I, I can't help but think of the cell phone because if he fell into the river, then the cell phone, it makes more sense that the cell phone would have fallen on the bank of the river and not into the water.
1: True. Possibly. Based, based on
0: the information we have, because it stayed connected. Yeah. They called over and over again, and it rang and rang before going to voicemail. Mm-hmm. All those signs point to the, the phone was powered on and had service. Yeah. You you dunk a, a cell phone underwater, it immediately loses all the services. Yeah. Cell, cell service, Bluetooth service, all that stuff Everything. is interrupted because it, you, you know... Can't communicate through the water.
1: Yeah, and they were calling it uh, as far as, you know, what I understand while they were out there searching, they were repeatedly calling it. And it was ringing and nobody heard anything. I mean, And, who it, never, knows?
0: and it never pinged anywhere else.
1: No, no. They, they they just had the, according to my research, it was just off of the one cell tower in the area where his car was. And that's what they were going off of, is that cell tower area. So... It, he's he was somewhere in that area, and it well, that's his cell phone was last in that area, so
0: yeah, I don't know in two thousand eight if they were you know if it was if it would only ping to a tower I don't know um because now we know that it triangulates right, so they we can pinpoint those um fairly closely yeah. M- maybe in two thousand eight you know wherever in you know this happened in Minnesota the that wasn't available.
1: Yeah. They may not have had the technology. I'm not sure. Um, but due to, due to this, you know, due to the scenario and the situation, um, with waiting to actually start investigating Brandon's disappearance, Brian and Annette pushed for Brandon's law to be passed in Minnesota. Brandon's law requires law enforcement to take a missing person's report without delay after notification of someone missing under dangerous circumstances, no matter the person's age immediately conduct a preliminary investigation to determine if the person is missing and whether the person is endangered, and promptly notify all other law enforcement agencies of the situation. Then Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty signed this into law on May seventh, two 2009, and it went into effect on July first of 2009. Um, you know, the other... When we were talking about theories, um, I didn't mention... I mean, the possibility of... He fell into that river and, like you said, was able to get to the other side, but maybe succumbed to some kind of hypothermic— I mean, it was just under 40 degrees if he's soaking wet. Maybe succumbed to hypothermia and maybe animals took him. But you would still think there would be some kind of evidence, right? Some clothing or something in the area. I don't know. It's— that's why this case is so intriguing. It's it's one of those cases, like, kind of like Bryce, where you have the car here, but the person is never seen again, like just disappeared into thin air. Where Where is he? You know, he's got to be out there somewhere.
0: They don't, you know, people don't just vanish, like you said. There are answers out there. It's just so frustrating because we just want to know. Yeah. And the family wants to know. They want that closure. They want to understand And they just can't have that until, you know, the case has a resolution.
1: Exactly. And it's been, what, this was in 2008. So 15 years, almost 16 years in May. so That's exactly what um, I was going to say, almost 16 years. Yeah, I know how good you are at math, so I was relying on you. (laughs) All right. If you have any information on the disappearance of Brandon Swanson, you can contact the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office at 1-507-694-1664 one 694 1664 or FBI VICAP at 1-800-634-4097 or by contacting Agent Derek Woodford with the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension at 651-793-7000.
0: Thank you for that, and thank you for listening to Mysteries and Mimosas. As always, visit us at mysteriesandmimosas.net, where you'll find our source material, pictures, and additional information to go along with this episode. And please, do us a favor, head over to Instagram and follow us at Mysteries and Mimosas Podcast. And of course, before we sign off and leave you hanging until Mystery Monday, uh, we just want to raise our glasses to Brandon Swanson.
1: Cheers. Cheers.